Well, good morning, everybody. Yeah, uh, so glad to, the, that you are here today. So great to see you. Want to take a moment and just welcome those that are watching online right now. Uh, we're glad that you are, have joined us as well. I also, uh, something very cool, River of Life Church Long Prairie location is tuning in with us uh, as well today. And so we're glad, like they're like on video, isn't that crazy? And so we're just fired up that you guys are with us. We know you, we can't see you, but you can hear us and see me and I enough of that. We're excited that you are here with us. Uh, if you didn't know this about our church, we're one church, but we have more than one location. Uh, and so we have a location here in Sox Center, a location in Long Prairie. Uh, they have their own speaking pastor over there, Pastor Josiah, and Emily lives in Long Prairie, is the pastor of that church, but we're also kind of together. Uh, and so it's just such, such a cool thing. Uh, I'm excited to get to the Bible today. In, in fact, I could not be more excited. And so let's get right to that. If you have a Bible with you, find the book of Matthew, Matthew, and we're going to be in chapter number 11, Matthew chapter 11. Today is week number four in a series of messages that we've just titled Stuck. We've titled it Stuck. And, and I'd love to take a few moments right now to give you a big recap on the whole thing, but uh, we've got to get to the Bible for today. And so I'm just going to say it in eight seconds instead of the two minutes that it deserves. It, like, if you missed the past couple weeks uh, and you were not here, you need to go watch those uh, because we believe very deeply that God wants you to be free, free from all sorts of stuff, free from all sorts of junk. Uh, it can be sin, and we talked about sexual sin and how that's destroying families in our culture. It can be mental things and emotional health, and I mean, the list goes on and on and on, uh, and we've started on this journey to help you become free, because not very many people in the church, like Jesus' desire is for us to be free, but we just don't live that. Uh, and so that's what this is. Next week and the week after, we're going to be talking about a very heavy topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about anxiety and depression. And for many of us, uh, even like those words have meaning for you and you can feel the weight of that topic even in your life. I'm praying that God like works mightily through that. Uh, as, as we do a couple things, as we help, as we kind of help people who, where that's their situation, but also just, just, just to kind of bring reality uh, to some of us who have never dealt with that, and so that we can better be church family and help with that, okay? All right, enough of an introduction. Let's get to the Bible today. I want to ask you to stand with me all over this place, uh, and uh, let's begin by reading a passage of scripture together. Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse number 28. Long Prairie, stand with me right now if you are not as well. I know that I'm on the other side of a screen and this feels goofy, uh, but stand up, you're with us, and we're going to do that. All right, so here we go, Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse number 28. Here's what it says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we just take a deep breath all together in this moment and just ask for you and your very word to come and to 
speak to our hearts. God, prepare us, soften us, help us to be more aware of you and and the fact that you are right here in this moment than we've ever been before. And so, Lord, we just pray for something significant. We pray for something special, for something life-changing. We pray for freedom, God, for somebody here today who needs these words. And so, Lord, we just give this to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and uh, go ahead and have a seat. All right, come on, calm down. I said a high five, not like run around and... Okay, let's start with the problem. Are you ready? Here's the problem. This is going to hit some of us right upside the head, and if it doesn't right away, it will by the end. I promise you that. Most people in America... Uh, are just too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich lives. Most people are just too busy uh, to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich. Let, let, Let that sink in for a moment. I read that this week, and it was like I got punched in the gut. Most people in America are just too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives. Our lives are too full. They're too full. We don't rest enough. Our minds are out of control. Uh, We simply don't have time for the things that really matter in our life. It's unhealthy. It's not good for our physical bodies. It's not good for our mental health. It's not good for our families. And it certainly isn't good for our relationships with God. And the crazy thing is that we 100% just don't see this. In our culture, in in fact, not only do we not see this problem, but we actually celebrate the unhealthiness. Busyness is celebrated in America. Did you know that? Of course you did. We throw it around like some sort of a badge that we wear. Like, I'm important. I'm productive. Just look how busy I am. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people where in some way we're just so busy comes up. You, you understand this, right? Like, hey, haven't seen you in a church for a while. I'll say that to someone uh, at Walmart, and they'll be like, yeah, we're just so busy. You've probably said that to me before, actually. If that's you. Like, uh, hey, how's everything going in your family? Oh, you know, crazy busy, as always. It's like the default response. Uh, hey, have you thought about joining one of our life groups? I, th- I think it'd really be good for you. Well, well, I would love to. I'm just too busy. How's your relationship with God? Like your prayer life, your time in, in, in the Word of God? Well, it's okay. I'm just so busy I can't find time like listen to me whether we whether we want to admit it or not most people in America are just too busy to be emotionally healthy and to live these spiritually rich and vibrant lives we're we're just too busy Uh, a business professor wrote it like this Uh, it's kind of long but it's so good He, he wrote it may be the case that Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and the cycle begins again. Did you follow me with that, or was that too much? Okay, that, like it's this cycle that we get in 
that is super destructive. Busyness leads to God not being the priority, leads to deteriorating relationship with God, leads to Christians being vulnerable in our culture and how we live, which leads to more busyness as we get engulfed in that. Well, I have to go to work, right? And I have to go visit my parents, and, I, and my kids need to be in their sports, and their schools, and their piano lessons, and the school production, and we need to go on vacation. I mean, we bought the camper, we bought the boat, we have the house on the lake, we need to use them, and I gotta do my yard work, right? Otherwise, my neighbors will get angry. I gotta mow the lawn, trim the shrubs, pull the weeds. Come on, I understand the tension here, but can we just take a step back for a moment and just admit that we live in a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload? Are you with me? Yeah, do you feel that? Where we have added so many things to our lives. Okay, in fact, how many of you will just like be honest and admit with me today that it's difficult for you to find time to do everything that you really need to do? Will you raise your hand, okay? Lots of us raised our hand. The rest of us are filthy liars, (laughs) is what you are. Yeah. And, and here's where we transition from most people in America to us right here, right now. Are you with me? Because like the reality of the situation, and let me just kind of kick you in the teeth as we get started here, the reality of the situation is that most of us in this room and most of us watching behind a screen today will not live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives. Why? Because our lives are too full of things. Most of us will not live the way that we're supposed to. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy, one person said. Why? Don't miss this. Because busyness and sin have the same effect on us as Christians. They cut off our connection with God and with other people. Wow, turn to your neighbor and say, that hurt a little. Yeah, there we go. Houston, we have a problem. We have a problem. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you think this is a problem or not, or it doesn't apply to me, like, we have a problem. Well, pastor, you just don't understand. Don't I? Listen, pastor is on the list with doctor and lawyer on the scale of busiest professions in America, if you didn't know that, all right? Uh, and, and here's why we're talking about this in this series. Here's where we're going today. Many Christians are stuck in their relationship with God because of busyness, hurry, and overload. Now, let me just get something right out of the way because some of us are already trying to push back on me here. Busyness in and of itself isn't wrong. In fact, you could make a pretty strong argument that Jesus was a pretty busy guy. The way that he lived and everything that he did It is possible for us to fill our calendars with things that matter and with prioritizing the right things. But listen, in our culture, busyness seems to be intertwined with what we're going to, today we're going to call hurry, hurry, and busyness in our culture is kind of intertwined with overload, and busyness that leads to hurry and overload is anti-Jesus. I'm going to show you this in a little bit. Jesus' schedule was full, but he never came off and came across hurried. All right, let's look to the Bible. Uh, This week I had a crazy moment where something in the Bible just kind of jumped out at me in a brand new way. A passage of scripture I have read a million, four hundred thousand times in my life, uh, and it just 
something new happened in me. And so I want to show you this. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says these beautiful words. Uh, he speaks clearly to those who are weary, to those who are burdened. And so let's read this again. And then I'm going to tell you how I used to understand this passage. And then I want to show you what I feel like God has showed me this week. Are you with me? Okay, come on. All right. So these are the words that Jesus says, verse number 28. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This passage of scripture originally written in Greek. All right. The Greek Bible has been translated into English. That's what we have. Uh, and so some of these words that we have, weary and burdened, when you, when you can look at some of the original meanings of the Greek word, it like brings this a little to life for me, okay? The word translated as weary, okay? To get tired through overuse or great strain or stress. Do you hear that? Overuse, stress, both of those in that kind of definition of that word weary. Weary can be a physical thing, you know that. Uh, physically tired, physically weary. Weary can also be a mental thing. You also know that, okay? So understand that word right there. Overuse and stress causes weariness is what we have. Uh, the second word is burdened, which simply means to fill or to place a load on. To place a load on. The idea of carrying something around, a weight on your shoulder. Uh, in, in this context here, the word burden is not a physical thing at all. It's not a physical weight. This is a mental weight of some sort, weary and burdened. You could use the word stress. You could use the word anxious, but not like the medical diagnosed anxiety that we often talk about in our culture, more like anxious thoughts. Uh, Jesus says, come to me all who feel that. See, even in the time of Jesus, people were living their lives with that. It's part of being human, hurried, overwhelmed, overused, stressed, filled lives. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. This is an invitation for the tired, for the burnt out, for the stressed, for the overwhelmed. Come to me, all who feel like that, all who are trying to follow the culture and running ragged and unhealthy and missing out on what truly This is an invitation of Jesus to come to him. Now, verse number 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, here's how I always understood this passage. This is how I've preached this passage. This is how I've heard people preach this way, all right? This is, this is how we bring our burdens and our weariness, and we give them to Jesus, okay? In a way, we come in a situation even like this, and we kind of lay them down, at Jesus' feet, we hand them over to him. And in turn, if we sincerely do that, then Jesus will give us rest. All right? Are you with me? It's this supernatural exchange that happens where Jesus takes our burdens and he takes our weariness and he replaces it with rest and we walk away different in that moment. That is what I've preached. That is how I've understood this. I've prayed that and many of you have prayed that as well. And, and listen, 
Before we move on, I don't think it's a bad thing to pray and ask God to do that. A God who does miracles, we believe in that stuff. Maybe even you've prayed that before. God, I give you my burdens. And maybe you left that place feeling something different. Like, I'm okay with that. I don't refute that in the slightest. But I think there's so much more to what Jesus is saying here. And this is what I want to show you, okay? And this is why, don't miss this, this is why for some of us, we hear things like this from the Bible and we think, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, but honestly, I'm still tired and I'm still worn out and I'm stressed. Am I missing something here? Jesus promises rest for those who give him their junk, but I don't feel very rested. Anyone relate to what I'm talking about here? Okay, two of us can relate, relate to that right there, all right? Uh, so understand, understand, uh, and I, like, I just need to say, Jesus, I give you my burdens, take them, and all. But then we go out and we do the same things we did before that got us into that mess in the first place. Do you understand here the issue? We're going to live our lives ragged, running around, overused, overstressed, and we're going to show up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give you my weariness and my burdens. Take it away. And then we run over here and we continue to live our lives ragged, overused, stressed, and anxious. Do you really think that this is what Jesus had in mind? When he says, I will give you rest. Jesus is not inviting us to live hurried, overwhelmed lives, busy doing a million things so that we can just show up to him and he will give us supernatural rest. So we can continue to live hurried, overwhelmed lives. All right. I know this is confusing, but I think maybe one or two of you are, are with me and you understand this. So what is Jesus saying here? I'm really glad you asked. I want to tell you. Okay. The answer is found in verse number 29. Okay. We have come to me, all who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, don't miss this. Verse number 29. You may not understand it right away, but I'm going to help you through it. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is life. Okay, by the way, side note here before I get into this, uh, let me just kind of shout out a book that has really helped me in this personal journey. I've read a bunch of books on this idea of slowing down and hurry and hustle in our culture. Um, the best one that I found is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And so if you're like a reader person, get that thing. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Bible-centered book that rocked me. All right? All right. Uh, in fact, I don't have enough time to go through everything that I need to go through today. When I wrote this message, it literally was about two hours long when I wrote this thing. And I've been like trying to cut it, and I got it down to about an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> so I just want you to know that. No. Uh, but seriously, we, we may take a month in like 2022 and go through this entire topic and, and flesh this out because there's so much more that needs to be said. All right, enough of that. Back to verse number 29. Take my yoke and learn from me. Question, what is a yoke? What is a yoke? Some of you are like, oh boy, Martha, he doesn't even know what a yoke is. It's the thing in the egg, isn't it? Okay, no. 
in the culture of Jesus, a yoke was farming equipment. It was this wooden beam that was placed on the shoulder of farm animals, uh, like an oxen or something. And the, and the oxen would shoulder the load. Uh, the, the yoke is what's placed on the weight of the shoulder of the animal. But the yoke, a yoke also became an illustration uh, and a metaphor used by rabbis, okay? Jesus was a Jewish person. A Jewish teacher is called a rabbi. Jesus was a rabbi. He was a Jewish teacher. In fact, each rabbi had their own kind of yoke, which was their understanding and interpretation of the Bible, of the scriptures that they had. But it was even more than that. It was really, in a way, a rabbi's set of teaching on how to be human, how to, how to in a way, shoulder the weight of this world is what this was. Now, so listen to me here as we kind of put this together. Jesus here is not inviting us to just give our weariness and our burdens to him. He's, that's, not, that's not really what this is about. Jesus is inviting us to his way of life and his way of understanding the scripture and his way of understanding how to live in a way that shoulders the weight of this world, okay? Like, all right, I know you don't exactly know what that means yet, but that could be life-altering for somebody. So here we go. This is the same three verses. I want, I want you to see this. This is the same three verses, just a different English translation, and this like jumps off the page the way that this Bible translator translated. This is so good. Here we go. It says, he says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life, okay? Get away with me, not give it to me. You hear the difference, all right? I'll show you how to take a real rest. I'll show you. Do you see that? I'll show you, which means you actually do the living. You actually, Jesus shows you how to live in a way that gives you rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Watch how I do it. You hear that? Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Don't miss this. You will learn to live freely and lightning. And light, lightning, that's super fast, but that's not what this is, lightly, okay? And so this whole idea of live craziness, hand it over to Jesus and feel rest. Live crazy, that is not what we have here in this passage. Do you understand that? This is really, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You'll learn to live. I might say that again and again, so don't miss it. Like, I'm not just going to fix all your stuff and you keep living. You'll learn to live. Now, I was at a cross-country meet the other day. It was awesome. I love cross-country meets. They're so much fun, actually. I'm serious in that. And I watched all sorts of races. Junior high, which ran about a mile and a half or two miles. JV and varsity, both boys and girls. There's all sorts of different races. They run a 5K, a little over three miles is what that is. And I'm watching these races. And I'm thinking to myself, I wish I was a runner. You ever thought, like, I want to be a runner. And not just like a runner. 
I want to like be a good runner. I want to be an elite runner. I should do that. It's so cool. It's so healthy. Most of them are lean and disciplined. Like I love the idea of being a disciplined elite runner. But then I was watching the girls varsity race. Okay. And I watched as the girl who won the race, there's like 80 girls in the race. She takes first place. She runs across the finish line. Everybody cheers for her. And about 10 feet past the finish line, she completely collapses on the ground. She wasn't, she wasn't like, didn't need medical attention, but she did lay there crying for about 20 minutes. She had literally pushed her lungs to the breaking point in her quest to win, destroyed her body in every way, and felt the pain of that every single step to the point where she's, she's like curled up in a, in a, you know, like that, and people are around her, and, and she's crying. She won the race. She won. And I watched this happen, and I thought to myself, I think I'm just going to be a spectator. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I, I mean... Listen, I love the idea of being a runner. That sounds amazing. But do I want to run every single day in the nasty humidity in August and in the nasty frozen of January? Do I want to discipline my body when it comes to what I eat all the time? Like when I run, and I, and I like to run, but when I run, I like to listen to music and listen to a podcast and watch the trees and, you know, just kind of take my time. These runners are running intervals every 400 meters and taking their body to its breaking point. I would love it to be what they are, but I'm absolutely not willing to adopt the lifestyle of an elite runner. I'm not willing to do that. So I'm content with being a mediocre, semi-out-of-shape, slow, walking part of the way <laughs> runner and a spectator. That's, that's where I'm at and where I, what I just, don't miss this, that was funny, but that's exactly what so many Christians are doing. So many are doing this with Jesus. See, we read the stories of Jesus and the promises of Jesus, the joy that's promised, the peace that passes all understanding, life to the full. Jesus said at one point, come to me with your burdens, I'll give you rest, freely and lightly live. Okay, we hear all this stuff and we think like, gosh, yeah, absolutely, I need that, but we're not willing to adopt his lifestyle. We're not willing to do it. And listen, don't miss this. Your life and what your experience is right now is the byproduct of your lifestyle. The way that you are living, what you are feeling, the stuff, the busyness, the hurry, the overwhelmed feeling, it's the byproduct of how you are living your life, okay? Let me read this. This is right out of this book, okay? If the results you are getting are lousy, Anxiety at a simmer, mild depression, high levels of stress, chronic emotional burnout, little to no sense of the presence of God, an inability to focus your mind on things that make for life, then the odds are very good that something about the system of your life is off kilter. The way you've organized your morning or evening routine, your schedule, your budget, your relationship to your phone, how much you manage or how you manage your resources of time, money, and attention, something is out of whack. This is more than just believing. This is more than just theology. 
This is, it, this is really about a lifestyle. We are to take Jesus' life as a template for our own. Take on his habits, take on his practices. So here's, we kind of built all this right here. The invitation of Jesus, it isn't to give him your burdens. The invitation here is to say, Jesus, I want to be with you. I want to be like you. I want to do what you would do if you were here right now. And in turn, Jesus says, I will show you that and you will come out of that living a life that is free and light and filled with all sorts of amazingness and health and all, okay? So the question becomes, how would Jesus live right now? Because he didn't have cars and the same stuff that we have to deal with. How would he live right now? And this is where we need three or four more weeks on this, but for today, just one big thing. Are you ready? How would Jesus live if he were right now, here right now? Slower. Slower. He would live slower. Some of you in this moment right now, all you can think about is what's coming next. Whether that's lunch or something you're doing tonight, Jesus, that, okay, like, if Jesus was here right now, he would live slower. Why do I say that? Because hurry is actually anti-Jesus. It really is. Th think about this for a moment. I'm just going to make this case in about three minutes. God is love. We like to say, Jesus loves me. Uh, like at one point, Jesus says the most important commandment is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. The idea of a loving God and loving people is just central to the life of Jesus, central to following Jesus. But listen to me, love is painfully time-consuming. All right? Like, in fact, you, I, I think you could make a strong case here if we talk about this, that, that you really can't love in a hurry. You, you can't. All my worst moments as a father... All my worst moments as a husband, all my worst moments as a pastor, even as just a human being, they're when I'm in a hurry. Like, think about this for a moment. When I'm running late, when I'm crazy behind on my to-do list for the week, when I'm trying to cram too many things into, like, my day, those are the moments when I feel tension. Those are the moments when I feel even anger. Those are the moments when, when like, I just ooze stress. Is anyone with me on this? And like, how do you relate to your spouse when you're feeling that? Is it beauty and love and amazingness or is it something else? Think about this with me for a moment. Would you call that love? Like, hurry and love don't really mix. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, Paul defined loves. Let me just read you the first three words. Love is patient. Love is patient. Then he goes on. But that's where he starts. Love is patient. What about joy? Secular psychologists and experts almost all agree the secret to happiness. Are you ready? Here's what they say it is. Uh, it's very simply presence in the moment. That's a secret. That's not even Bible right there. That's like secular doctors. And they say presence, this joy and happiness come through presence in the moment. The more present we are now, the more joy we tap into. Joy and hurry do not mix. They don't mix. What about peace? Do we need, you need to talk about this? I mean, think about when you're in a crazy hurry, running behind or whatever, like, do you feel the deep peace of God in that moment? 
No, I'm yelling at my kids to put their shoes on. Like, this is just real life here, okay? Um, Listen, love, joy, and peace are at the heart of all Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of your life. And all three are incompatible with hurry. They're incompatible with that. Jesus lived his life slow, unhurried, present to the moment, full of love and joy and peace. And, you, and I could show you example after example in his life, but we don't have the time for that right now. A couple weeks ago, and I'm trying to bring this to a close, I promise. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was at Wells Fargo in St. Cloud, Saturday at 11 o'clock. And Wells Fargo, like a whole bunch of places right now, is, they were kind of understaffed. They had three total people in the back. The drive-through at Wells Fargo was three lanes wide and probably 15 cars deep. It was all the way almost to like the road, okay? If you know, that's right by Costco, if you can picture that place, okay? Uh, We get there and I'm like, oh, I can't do that. So I go into the parking lot and I walk in. And I walk in and there's one lady working the counter. There's two that are going out the other way. One lady working the counter. And I found out later it was her first day, of course. And, and so there's one lady there, and there's like 13 people deep in line. And so I walk up, and I get in line. And everything inside of me began to feel the tension of that moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and then I began to think about a lot of the stuff I've been studying and reading, and I just like took a deep breath, and I was like, well, I'm here right now. What's it look like to be here? You know, and I'm, and I'm looking, and, I'm, and people start coming behind me, and I look around, and, and the, the tension in that room was just like thick. The anger. People are upset. People are, they're in line, but they're, they're looking at their, their, I mean, they're just, you can feel this. The poor woman at the counter is like, I mean, it's just not a good thing. And I look, and I, ta- I just take a deep breath, and I stand there. And then I notice this security guard off to the side. Um, clearly a Muslim. And I heard him, in fact, ta- I heard him talk to somebody. And he's talking, and they're, using, they're in a different language. And I'm assuming that, that they're speaking Somali or whatever. And, and so I'm just there. And I finally, I catch the guy's eye, and I just smile at him. And he smiles, and it's super weird for him. You know, he's just like. Uh, and the reason it was weird is there wasn't a whole lot of smiling happening in that place. And he literally, about five minutes later, walks all the way up to me. Secure, Muslim Somali security guard walks up to me, and he just says, hey. And his English was, like, incredible. And I started talking to him, and I just, I said, what language were you speaking over there? And I had ideas, and... And all of a sudden, this moment became a 20-minute long conversation with this Somali security guard in Wells Fargo, where he began to tell me the story of his life. And it was 17 years ago, he moved here from Somalia with, as a kid with his parents. Things were horrendous where he was from. He was, try- he was actually in school to become a police officer right now. He's a security guard. He's finishing everything up. His English, he'd been here 17 years and came as a kid, so he was, spoke English really clearly. And I just sat there in that moment, and, I, and it was this incredible conversation. And I walked out of Wells Fargo after 45 minutes 
or so, and that felt like it could have been longer. I walked out just thinking to myself, that was one of the most beautiful moments that I've had in a long time. Feel that, feel that with me. Because the tension of what everyone else is feeling and thinking, like they, they missed out on something that was so beautiful and so real from someone who was so far away from my culture and everything that I'm experiencing. And I, cheri- I cherish that moment that I had. And it came from me taking a deep breath and saying, I'm okay. Now, music team, will you please come? I, I wanna end with a difficult question but it's a question that should, it should really carry great, wit, great weight with us even right now. The question is not, what am I doing? The question is not, how am I spending my time? Here's the question, who am I becoming? Who, who am I becoming? As you look at your life right now, and you look at the lifestyle that you live, and you look at the things and the pace and everything that's happening, who are you becoming? Like, if you continue, what does your life look like in five years? What does your life look like in 10 years? Because your lifestyle can predict this for you. You can figure it out. What does your relationship with God look like in five years? Is it the same place it's at right now? Is there something deeper? Is there something farther? Is it more intimate and more beautiful? Are, are you closer to living your life in the, way that, in the way of Jesus, really? Is your life and your daily routine and the systems you have in place leading you to where you want to go? If not, we should start to think, I need to figure some things out right now because the reality of the situation is most of us in this place, most of us watching online right now, You are too busy, and you will never be emotionally healthy. You'll never be, like, spiritually alive. And you'll never live this rich and vibrant relationship with God that that what he promises and what he's handed out freely to us. You'll never get there because you're too busy, and you're hurried, and you're overloaded. Jesus is is inviting us today to something different. He's inviting us not to just give him all of our junk. He's inviting us to a new way of life. That's what he's doing. He's inviting us to that. See, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Please stand with me all over this place. Come to me all who are weary, all who are burdened, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what this is about. With no one looking around, just a moment kind of of just privacy and reflection here before we go. How many in this place would just lift their hand with me right now and just say, wow, this is, this is me. This is where I'm at. This, and something needs to change. If that's you, just show me your hand here. I just want us to pray together. There's hands all over this room. Jesus, we, we desire 
you. And God, we, we know that some of the results we're getting in our lives are not healthy, are not right. The stress and anxiety that we feel and we deal with, God, the, the lack of patience, the, the overall hurry, God, I just pray that even in this moment right here, that you would just kind of fill us with a new sense of what it looks like to live our lives the way that you would. And that that would be our desire, God, to to follow you, to learn from you, to, to live our lives the way that you would live, Jesus, if you were here right now. And so, God, I just pray that even this moment right here, a quest would begin for us to figure out what that looks like and figure out what that means. And, and God, that we would begin to figure out how to prioritize the things that matter in our lives, how to be in the moment, how to just overall slow down. So, Jesus, we give that to you, and it's in your name we pray. One final thing here before we go. And we, we just always want to give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus for the first time. And maybe you're here today and you just feel something even pulling at you in this moment that you know you're not right with God and that something needs to change and move. And Jesus has taken a step in your direction by, like, by dying for you. He, he's there with his arms open saying, come on, I'm here. And in this moment right here, it's time for you to take a step in his and say, Jesus, I give you my life, and I and I want you to be the savior of, of everything I am and, and all that I've done and whatever. And, and so that's what this is. And if you're here today and you would say, I've never made that decision, and I want today, I want to do that. If that's you, just show me your hand. No one's looking around. Just a moment of privacy. Just a moment here between you and God. The, like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? This is this is me today. respond right now if you're watching online click a little button or something there's a link like we want you to be a part of this as well but everyone in this place can we just pray a prayer together like this isn't magic word stuff this is a heart thing it's a heart thing between you and God let's pray this together pray Father God I give you my life thank you for sending Jesus to die for me forgive me of my sins and change my life your name I pray amen come on let's put our hands together we celebrate that moment if that is you all right let me just kind of speak this over you before we before we're done may you walk out these doors today slower than you walked in but may you truly experience everything Jesus has for you as you learn to live the way he would have you live uh, freer and lighter experiencing his peace and his joy and his love thank you so much for coming today you are dismissed